0: Hey, I'm Adam. I'm Brian. Of Everyone Has a Podcast, and you're listening to Pop Goes Your World.
1: If you haven't already, subscribe on iTunes. And while you're
0: there, please leave us a rating and review. And now it's time
1: for our feature presentation.
0: I'm Chris McBrien, and the pop culture from Generation X is everything to me.
1: And I'm Derek Myers, and I'm here to educate Chris on the great pop culture of today's generation.
0: Episode 219 Movie Musicals. Hey, I'm Chris McBride, along with Derek Myers, and this is Pop Goes Your World, the pop culture podcast for the generations. A few weeks, uh, you know, going here strong, talking about movies from 1980. So this week, doing something a little different, we're going to go back to having a top five list. And this week, we're looking at our top five movie musicals. So I may or may not break out into song during the show tonight. So just be forewarned on that. But before we get into all that, Derek, any pop culture for you in the past week, my friend?
1: You bet. Uh, I had a few things I had an opportunity to dive into. A couple of them, maybe not as deep as I would have liked, but uh, we'll get to that in a second. First, we'll start with... A classic. As mentioned before, mm. I have channels in my package: seventies channels, eighties channels, nineties channels. I like where this channels. is going. I like where this is going. Well, you probably won't. Uh, so, <laughs> I have uh, I have a lot of movies that I've been recording on my my PVR, and my wife basically put the put her foot down and said, "Start watching all these movies because this PVR is getting full. There's like fifty or sixty movies on there, right? So uh, that's a pretty full anyway. PVR." <laughs> Yeah, so I I just pulled one that was near the top of the list, and it was the 1990 superhero film Darkman starring Ooh, Neil, Liam Neeson. my god! I'm a fan of that movie, by the way. So I figured last year, last year, last week we uh, we talked about the new Doctor Strange. I talked about the new Doctor yes, Strange movie. Yes, you would see that. And I said I didn't really care for it, but yeah. it, that it was directed by Sam Raimi well this was one of sam raimi's first mm-hmm. foyers into the superhero genre i mean i don't know if you call dark man a superhero but it's, it's the same he's it's, it's along in that it's a dark
0: kind of one i guess yeah literally. so uh
1: so it came out in 1990 uh sam raimi directed it is one of credited with uh, a writing credit on this as well uh it stars liam neeson in like a very early role him it's got francis mcdormand um, Larry Drake, who at the time was, uh, winning Emmys left, right, and center for his role on LA law, big TV show from a, the 80s. He was a good
0: bad guy in that
1: movie. I he was remember. a really good bad There's guy. There's a scene where he's hopping um, up and down on his leg and he's like with a machine gun on it. Like that was, that was pretty good. It's very
0: stylish. Yeah, yeah.
1: So, uh, so yeah, it was, I, I watched it this afternoon. I honestly remember seeing this in the theater with one of my buddies okay. and you know, I would have been about, well, I would have been 15 when this came out. And I remember enjoying it at the time and I had probably haven't seen it since then. So it was a little bit of nostalgia going on when I was watching it. Uh, Some of the special effects work was, I I don't want to say groundbreaking because that Mm. really implies like that it's, it's excellent, but it was decent for its time. And Mm. even now when I was watching it, there was some scenes where you could tell there were some special effects, but given that it came out in 1990 and knowing the tools they had at their disposal, they did a pretty good job. It was a good, um, it was a good mixture of practical effects for the dark man like burn makeup because he like the whole premise is the guy gets uh burned Mm -hmm. and then he he comes back and he's anyway um he he basically becomes like a vigilante to get revenge on the people that that messed him up (laughs) and um but no, they they use like there's some early computer technology where they use like clearly they're using green screens or blue screens, and um, and they're mixing um, like like they did with Star Wars where they do like matte paintings and then they they use those as the background. Like there was a lot of that kind of thing in it, but it it, it actually looked pretty decent considering how old it is. And and I mean the movie movie wasn't bad. It wasn't amazing. It's not uh, you know when you compare it to the new marvel cinematic universe kind of superhero stories it it totally doesn't hold up when you compare it to those but you got to remember in 1990 there wasn't a lot of other movies like this like batman had come out the year before and was a huge hit and so that's obviously a big part of how Ramy got the money to make this movie. Like, well, it's sort of like Darkman. It's like okay, it's sort of like the old the shadow from the Saturday morning serials. And, I think I think uh, that but, some
0: people had a real knock on it when it came out because it was like, oh, that's just a Batman ripoff. It's like Darkman, yeah, Batman. Exactly, like, come on, exactly. But it was totally different.
1: but I mean look at I mean Liam Neeson is uh has gone on to have a fantastic career Francis McDormand's won a whole bunch of Oscars like there was some talent in this movie I mean they were clearly slumming it a little in this uh this little movie but it was it was it was a fun revisit let me put it that way it was a fun revisit it's it's uh you know it's not the best movie out there, but it was it was worth it. I remember it being
0: pretty stylistic, too. Like, there's one scene, you know, the, the little uh, bobbing, I don't know what they call it, but that little bobbing bird, like the bird that goes yeah. down, it's like drinking water.
1: It's drinking the water! Yes,
0: yeah, you know, from The Simpsons. And, he
1: covered for Homer, he just pressing the y
0: yeah that's yes. right and it yes. was that's yes. right it was hitting the keyboard for horror yeah. in in, in dark man i remember it was like going down it was getting closer and closer to hitting the lighter to ignite
1: and to yes. light the gas and it was really stylistic and it blew up the lad yeah. yeah it was oh, that it was, was pretty cool yeah so that was a good yeah. that was a okay. good one yeah so and then i got uh two tv shows that i only uh, managed to get a couple episodes in but i wanted to mention both of them so mm. the first one so i was watching saturday Night live this past weekend and they did a sketch and it was based off of a japanese television show that is available on netflix and so i thought the sketch was funny but like anything else with comedy if you aren't familiar with what they're what they're parodying or what what they're making fun of you're not getting the full joke and so it inspired me to go back and watch the show so the show is called old enough and the premise is it's, I believe it's from Japan, and it's these like two, three, four year old children that are sent on an errand by their mom and dad. The episodes are like between five and ten minutes long. So like in the first one, the little boy is given uh, his mom's like, you gotta go to the grocery store and you gotta get these three things. And she gives him some money and he goes and it's like if there's the camera people following the little kid and you see him like get distracted by a bird and and he's got this little yellow flag that he holds up when he has to cross the street so the cars stop for him and it's the cutest thing ever and there, there's like this uh, lame audio commentary over it but it, it makes it it makes it funny and of course the kids are ridiculously young two and three and four years old so like the little boy goes to the grocery store and like he can't remember what he's supposed to buy so it's like does he buy the wrong thing and then like he leaves the grocery store and then he forget and then goes back when he remembers what it was so we watched a few episodes of this called old enough it's on netflix the ep- episodes are really short uh i would definitely suggest check out a couple episodes and it's it's worth a watch. We we my wife and I've been watching them at night before we go to. Hmm. It's like oh well, we got about fifteen or twenty minutes before we're gonna fall asleep. Let's just watch a couple of these. Old so, enough. Old enough. So old enough. on Saturday Live though, this All past weekend, the sketch they did was you know. Uh, they basically, it was, uh, hey, now that the show is being real popular on Netflix, they're going to remake it for an American audience. But since Americans don't send three-year-olds to run errands, we needed to find another group that was equally as helpless and useless. We've gone with the 38-year-old live-in boyfriend. And uh, it was pretty spot on and it was really <laughs> funny. So I would say... Watch the first couple episodes of this Old Enough on Netflix and then love it or hate it, go online and look for the Saturday Night Live parody of it and you're going to laugh your butt off. It was pretty good. So cool. that was uh, that was one of the ones we checked out. And finally, and this is very niche uh, for all of the Canadian listeners, on Amazon Prime, mm-hmm. the kids in the hall are back. Yes, they are. And I had a chance to watch the first few episodes and let me tell you, they were fan fantastic i laughed so much now i i was not really into kids in the hall when they were on tv like they were on the cbc here in canada and i i was familiar with them and i knew some sketches and they were they were popular when i was at university so Mm -hmm. i wasn't in front of a tv as much but there was a certain group of my friends that we knew certain sketches that we would reference like any other like like as if it was a monty python sketch or a stand-up eddie murphy or whatever and so i was familiar with them but not really like into them then they put out the movie brain candy in the mid 90s when i was working at blockbuster and that's when i really discovered them not that the movie is is excellent i mean i i enjoy the movie but i know it got panned critically but that made me go back and sort of become more familiar with their with who they were and then i want to say like about 10 years ago they had a kids in the Hall sort of mini series it was called death comes to town and it was like this this uh, serialized story where all of the actors from kids in the hall played different roles in an ongoing 10 episode arc which again was not great but it had its moments so i was really really skeptical about this and i was so pleasantly surprised and i, I even if you're not a huge fan of kids in the hall Watch the first episode. I think you're going to find it's pretty good. I'm really looking forward to finishing out this series. And I really hope that it does well enough that they get picked up because uh, their sense of humor has aged nicely as the performers and the creators have aged as well. So I'm I'm willing to check it out. But
0: I got to tell you, you know, I'm a Canadian. I love comedy. I love sketch comedy. I never liked the kids in the hall. I thought their sketches were Dumb. And that was stupid. I I felt I, I'm also I like sketches that have like it's very gratifying for an audience when a sketch kind of comes full circle, you know, and yes. I always felt that their sketches just never ended like properly, which is like it was just over. And I was like, what happened? And I just didn't get it. And, and I know it's easy to look back on the kids in the hall and think. Oh, you know, like there's things that you really remember that are sort of iconic, you know, like the, the, the skull crushing thing and, you know, all the, the chicken mm-hmm. lady and all this. But overall, if you go back and actually watch, because their, their, um, their original series is on Amazon Prime. You can watch it. And if you go back and watch, you know, the individual shows, it's not very good. <laughs> it just it isn't. Kids of the Hall were not very good, I didn't think. But I mean, hey, if. You know, they've aged, you know, and they're, they've come up with some new stuff. I'm willing to give it a try, but I'm I'm one of the few Canadians who likes comedy and likes sketch comedy and doesn't like the kids in the hall. I just didn't think they were all that good. I don't
1: know. Man, me. The, next, the next thing you're going to tell me, you don't like the Tragically Hip, and we're going to have to take away your <laughs> Canadian shit.
0: I've already mentioned what I think of the Tragically Hip, and it's got me a lot of hate email, so I don't want to go into that one. Um, oh, so boy. I wanted to, to share with you a couple things. So my, my son and I went up to the trailer for the weekend. And whenever we go, we usually go fishing, you know, we hang out by the fire, you know, and eat hot dogs and s'mores and all that stuff. And we usually bring along a movie to watch, you know. So I brought along a couple of DVDs. So first of all, so during the day, uh, my son went to play with one of his friends. So I found I actually had some spare time to myself. So I watched an episode of The Love Boat from season two, 1979. It was awesome. Oh, so, jeez! So I always loved how they had these Z-list celebrities. You know, and, and the episode I watched featured, um, uh had Peter Marshall. Remember, he was the old host of Hollywood Squares. And there was Martha Ray and Ray Bolger. He was the scarecrow on The Wizard of Oz. And then oh, L- yeah. Lyle Wagoner and Tina Louise. She was ginger on Gilgan's Island. They were all on it. It was great. So that was, I did that. And then the second thing, for the first time, I figured, you know, since it's summer and all, and we're coming into summer, that I'd let my son watch Meatballs. So whatever you do, don't tell my wife because she doesn't think that he's old (laughs) enough to watch it. So I don't want her to know. Of course, I don't want her to know. So I just go on a three-time podcast award-nominated show and mention it. You know, thank God she doesn't listen. Jeez. (laughs) But that's what I did in regard to pop culture this week. So I let my son watch Meatballs for the first time, and he liked it. You know, how can you not like it? Of course, so. Oh, I'm such a good dad. And, and and like any good dad. Here's your dad joke of the week. Derek, what rock group has four guys that can't sing? Hmm. Quiet Riot. Mount Rushmore.
1: Oh boy. I think I gotta be stoned to enjoy that. <clears throat> I was
0: the only man left on the planet after the Holocaust, eh? Because you're yeah. probably drunk. That's so why I just spent all my time looking for beer.
1: Save me one of those beers. No way, eh? <laughs> Experience and maturity. I gotta yeah. take a leak so bad What's I can taste it. T- t- I don't know how they got him to do it. You drive.
0: There's a lot of cops
1: around. It was a different time. No, no, I've I've had enough beer. Some of the things from the early 80s, it's it's hard to relate to them now. Oh come on, that's some funny <laughs> right there. <laughs>
0: So, Derek, it feels like it's been a while since we did a top five list around here. So this time we're going to be running down our personal top five lists of movie musicals. You're a big movie musical guy, right? Like You like movie musicals, right?
1: Uh, No, quite the opposite. Musicals are not a genre I care for, which is part of the reason that it's taken us 219 episodes before we've gone down this path. Now, I, I very much like music, and I like to think that I I've got a pretty wide taste. You are of musical a music stylings. guy, yes. Yeah. Uh, probably more than you, anyway. I think, mm-hmm. and uh, but mu- movie musicals has never really been a genre I've cared for. But I think that that in and of itself is not necessarily a fair statement because I think a- a- in preparation for this podcast this week, I started to realize. There are different kinds of musicals, and there are certainly mm-hmm. some kinds that I do enjoy and some kinds that I can't stand. And it's the kinds that I can't stand, I think, are the more traditional ones. And, and when people start talking about musicals, that's where they're going. And that's why I'm always like, no, I'm not interested. So I, I wanted to, before we sort of get into our list, just talk a little bit about the very large umbrella that is movie musicals. See, to yeah, that's I think that's a good point because
0: to me movie musicals in order to qu- sort of qualify as a quote unquote movie musical there has to be scenes where people just spontaneously break into song and dance. You know, they just it can't be that there's a lot of music in the movie cuz that doesn't quite qualify. Lots of movies have music in them. If you if you go back and watch a movie like American Graffiti, you know, Lucas's second film that he did. There's tons of every single scene in that movie has music in it. There's so much music, but it's not a musical just because there's lots of music in it. And I also don't think it really qualifies if a movie has a lot of live music being played in it necessarily. It needs musical numbers. And that's the whole thing, like, like with musical theater and things like that. So that's that's one of the qualifications for me. Does that make sense? Like you got to break into song, like it's things you wouldn't normally do in a normal movie. People don't walk down the yeah. street in everyday life. People don't walk down the street, and all of a sudden, start to break into song. I love a parade or something. They don't do that, you know. But in movie musicals, they do. And so, to me, that's a big qualifying thing for movie musicals. Do you, yeah, do you believe that's a kind of a defining part of the genre.
1: So that that was that was really the distinction that I wanted to make before we went in the lists is, yeah, in my mind, when someone says this movie is a musical, my thought is just like you said, at some point, a scene will just break into a song and dance number mm-hmm. that is completely separate from whatever is happening. And when it's over. The characters just go back to whatever they were doing right. and nobody's like, right. hey, how come everyone just started dancing Why and did singing? You all, where do all this yeah. background <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, it's uh and and a lot of um like a lot of Disney cartoons are like that, where there's like songs and mm-hmm. because again, the cartoons are trying to appeal to children and, and music tends to keep their attention a little more. But that that to me is not uh, a genre that I care for because honestly it's like I I just I'm not interested in in things where the music propels the story like that. For the most part. There are some exceptions, which are the ones on my list. But then there's this sort of other one, like you said, and my wife sort of nailed it when I was talking to her about this earlier, is she said, Well, some of the movies you're describing are more dramas that have music in them or that have musical numbers or that have performances. So like one of the things we talked about was the recent uh queen movie Bohemian Rhapsody. It's yeah, like, see, that I wouldn't call that a musical. Mm. Nope. I wouldn't call that a musical at all, but Almost the entire Queen library is presented through the course of the movie in some way or form. In most cases, it's, it's more—it's more like a, a biopic of
0: of, of of the band. Yeah. And so, of course, they're going to be doing live performances of their music. But that doesn't make it a musical. Have you seen Rocket but, Man? Have
1: you seen that? I one? was just going to say. And then, like a year later, we have Rocket Man, the mm. Elton John one, where um, that's a uh, Edgerton. He actually does all the singing, which to me is a big, important part. Like, that was one of the reasons that I would never have called the Queen movie a musical. Is, is Sammy, uh, Remy Malik doesn't do his own singing. And, and honestly, I'm glad he didn't because no one can bring Freddie Mercury. <laughs> you, you ain't doing yeah. Freddie. But in the Rocketman, uh, film, it, it, he, there are scenes like we've described yeah. where he goes on stage and he performs the songs. But there are also some scenes where the songs are used in a way where mm-hmm. it's, um, you know, it's describing what's going on as it's a part of his life in which it really, it's like, you get a sense of how this artist created this song and, and the musical uh, component of it in this movie sort of illustrates that a little better. Um, so yeah, it was, uh, it's really, to me, it's sort of those two things you have, you have the musical, the tradition, we'll call it a traditional musical right. that has just a song, a dance number breaks out. And then you have dramas with music. Like, let me ask you, Uh, And again, I don't know what's on your list. So this may be stepping on your toes, Uh, like the movie Fame, for example, which I watched for the very first time a couple of months ago. There's there is definitely singing and dancing in it. Mm -hmm. And and there are a couple of scenes where the students perform, but I don't necessarily I didn't necessarily feel it was sort of that traditional musical thing where it's completely removed. Like, would you consider Fame a musical? Uh, I would. Let's stick a pin in that one and we'll come back to it. Okay. How about we do that? Um,
0: but I then d- what about something like Purple Rain from Prince? So where's Purple Rain not so much because it's really just his live performances and then there's sometimes music playing in the background to accentuate right. the scenes, but there's no moments where they actually break into song or they, they break into a musical number. And I think having a mm-hmm. musical number is different than... A band being on stage, like Morris Day in the time being up there and singing, you know, Jungle Love or Prince being on stage doing Purple Rain. Right. You know, it's right. it's, it's, a, it's more like a biopic of what it was like to break out into the music scene in Minneapolis in the 80s, you know, and mm. there's no scenes in that movie where they just break into song. And so therefore, I don't know if it does qualify. Some people consider Purple Rain to be a musical. I don't know if I do or not, but but I did want to mention that, that musicals have always been kind of important to me because I did a lot of musical theater back when I was younger. The first theater that I ever did professionally was Summerstock. And we did some locally written musicals that we did at the time. And it was so much fun. Like I also did a production of Brigadoon. Diane Nyland Proctor was the director. She was the, um, the actress from the Canadian TV sitcom, The Trouble with Tracy. I mentioned her in our episode about celebrities we've met. When we had Greg Martin on the show back on episode uh, right. 214. So so musicals have always held a special place for me. So I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to this one. But uh, but we did do something a little different when we came into our list. Because usually we come into these top five shows sort of blind. We don't know what the other guy is going to bring to the table. But this time you kind of reached out to me and you wanted to make sure there was no overlap. And, and I think it was a good idea on your part too, bud. Because... When when you kind of sent me your list, there, we would have had three movies overlap. So, I mean, you know, we wouldn't have gotten into as much stuff.
1: So I thought that was good. Well, but- and I think, yeah, I, mean, I was going to say, the reason for that is I've only seen a handful of musicals. And the ones I've seen are the ones that people are most likely to say, this was one of the greatest musicals of all time. It's like, okay, well, as a movie guy, I'll give it a chance. And, and so my list of the musicals that I've actually seen and could even feel are qualified for my list is going to be a very short list um and then and we'll talk about that through the course of this is i'm sure we're gonna get some feedback from people saying things like well how did that not make your list i just i haven't seen a lot of these movies Mm -hmm. so i'm not saying it's not worthy of being on the list i'm just saying if I haven't seen it, I can't judge it—no, nope, uh, good, true. bad, or otherwise. So, before we
0: get into our list, do you have any honorable mentions outside of your top five? Just quickly, you just want to kind of run down and
1: go through? Yeah, I got—I've got two. Okay. So, um, I have two first honorable mention. Yeah. So, the first honorable mention is um, is is a my most the most recent one on my list is from last year, 2021. It's called Tick Tick Boom. I believe it's available on Netflix right now. It was directed by uh, Lynn manuel Miranda, who is famous for Hamilton, mm-hmm. and uh, stars Andrew, Andrew Garfield, who uh, was nominated for an Oscar for this for his performance. Uh, people will probably remember him from uh, being the you know, one of the lesser Spider-Mans. Uh, also, he was in the Facebook movie. Uh, he's had a pretty decent career. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tick Tick Boom is uh, the story of um, Jonathan Larson, who is the creator of the musical rent, which may or may not appear on our lists coming up. And it's basically everything that happened to him before rent. And so I didn't really know a lot about it, but I watched it and I loved it. I thought it was fantastic and I recommended it to a lot of people. I'm sure if we go back to the notes, when I watched this a few months back, I'm fairly confident I recommended it strongly to the people in this podcast, but because it's so new i don't know if it's going to have staying power so i didn't really feel i could put it on a list given uh, because it's got a lot of recency bias so i just want to give it a shout out as an honorable mention the other honorable mention i'm doing an audible uh this was actually going to be on my list uh as my number five but given what we just talked about i think instead i'm going to throw it on as an honorable mention is a Stars born the recent version with lady gaga and uh, bradley cooper so again it's not really so much a musical as much as it's a drama with music but there is a pretty substantial musical component to the movie. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, another one that was nominated for Oscars and the performances are fantastic. And who knew Bradley Cooper could sing? I mean, uh, Lady Gaga, obviously a, a singer in her own right, a <laughs> uh, fantastic performer. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it, it would have been easy to have a duo where you bring in a professional singer to sort of cover up the fact that the other half of the duo is not that good, but Bradley Cooper man he, he really he stepped up to the plate and did his job so uh, yeah those are my two honorable mentions what about you Chris you got some honorable mentions I do so I mentioned recently when
0: that I went to Florida on a trip when I went down there to meet Yancey and on the Delta flight that I was on they had an in-flight movie and uh, I watched it it was Little Shop of Horrors from 1987 it was really. I, th- good. I thought you were going to say carry the <laughs> yeah, musical. No, that was the way back, and that was had all the nudity in it, and then I got in trouble because I was watching a movie with all this nudity in it, and I had to turn it off. Uh, but uh, a little shop of horrors from nineteen eighty seven, directed by Frank Oz. It was so good. Oh, my God. And now that's a true musical. Breaking into musical number, you know, all these, these, oh, this production and everything. I thought it was fantastic. So that's one I wanted to mention as an honorable mention. And another, the other one I wanted to mention was I was the partial owner of a theater company back in like the late 90s, early 2000s. And I remember we all got, kind of got together, the owners, and we were like, what are we going to do for our next big production? Like, we got, we got to come up with something. And I was like, one word. Xanadu and they made me sell my shares in the company <laughs> <laughs> but Xanadu was like from 1980 and wait you didn't tell them the part where you said Xanadu starring Chris McBride in the lead <laughs> exactly. That's what playing the playing the part of, uh, of Olivia Newton-John
1: I was going to say, playing Olivia Newton-John's part. Yeah, exactly.
0: So, you know, like Olivia Newton-John was in it and like it was Gene Kelly's, I think, last film role. You know, I remember him in there like playing the flute in it and like Michael Beck is in it. And it was like it was terrible in a lot of ways because it's like disco and roller skating. Let's put it together. Let's get Olivia Newton-John. She's fresh off of Greece. Uh, but there's just something about it. I don't know, like that. Now you are here in Xanadu. I don't know. I just, there's something about that movie I always liked. Those are my two honorable mentions. So let's start with your number five, and we'll work up to our number
1: one. Uh, you can start us off. Your number five movie musical is... Take it away. All right. So I, I again... Not having a very deep bench, I mm-hmm. figure I'm just going to do this nice and easy. Sure. I'm going to start with my most recent and work down to the oldest because I feel the oldest one on my list is my number one anyway. Okay, And I think a lot of people would argue that musicals sort of reach their their peak perfection in that sort of 40, 50, 60s frame, time frame, mm-hmm. uh, and and that there are not nearly as many modern musical classics i mean that's again i'm talking on my butt here and some people may really argue with me but i would not be surprised if you and i find that a lot of the the ones towards the the top of our lists are are a little bit older so in any case so i'm going to start new and work old so uh, i originally had stars born which i decided to swap out and instead i'm going to put the the movie in that i was going to say as my honorable mention in place of that and that is the 2007 film *Hairspray*. Hmm. this uh this is a remake of a remake. So the original, uh, the original screenplay, uh, or rather the the earlier screenplay from 1988, was uh, written and I believe directed by John Waters, but was yes. not a musical. No, it wasn't. And so. This version was updated to be a musical. Uh, for people who maybe aren't as familiar with it, it takes place in the '60s in Baltimore, and um, there's a TV show uh, where the kids come out after school and they dance on TV. And it's happening uh, as um, segregation and integration are happening in the U.S. So there's that um, the racial component. But the story is uh, follows the main character, the main, main female character. She's a teenager. Um, uh Tracy Turnblad is is the character's name and she's uh, an overweight teenager and obviously has uh gets picked on for things like that but she she loves to sing she loves to dance and she's you know it's a very positive body positive message it's a very positive empowerment message where she's just like I want to do this I feel I'm a good singer and dancer I'm just going to go for the audition and uh, unfortunately doesn't make it originally, but uh, befriends some of the, uh, the, we'll call them alphas, um, like the main young kid is played by Zac Efron, who she befriends, and uh, she also befriends the, uh, the black kids who are there, who are having a hard time of it as well. So they, they are struggling for different reasons, but they find, uh, you know, uh, they, they're all having various challenges, and it's this very positive message about um, overcoming adversity and diversity um and it's got the the racial component mixed in and the songs are are fantastic and one of the one of the big uh, uh sort of jokes about this movie is that the uh the the mother of tracy is generally played by a man in this case it's john travolta in drag and i want to say in the original wasn't it um wasn't it harvey firestein i think it might have been i'd have to double check on that. In, in the original but one in the original 80, wasn't it divine yeah, Oh, I may be thinking of something else then. Yeah, okay, I think, I think De- yeah, that could I be a, divine. Was it that makes sense for a John Waters yeah. film? Then, yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, yeah, no, Hairspray is one of these ones that when it's when it's on TV, I just I sit down, I watch it, I enjoy it. The songs are memorable, they're catchy, the sing along. It's got a huge cast. It's from two thousand seven. It's got John Travolta, Queen Latifah, Michelle Pfeiffer, Christopher Walken uh zach efron i already mentioned allison janey has a small part in it as well there's just it's a who's who uh there's all the main cast you you're gonna go oh i either i know who that is or or it's someone who is as recognizable as the names i just said so that's my uh my number five pick is Hairspray from 2007 nice. all right my number five i'm gonna go with fame from 1980
0: so you kind of mentioned this i remember when this movie came out like it was this huge sensation and 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 you mentioned you know movie musicals were a thing back in the the 50s and 60s but they, they kind of died out in the 70s you know and yeah. and then this movie came along and it was based on a chorus line but but once they brought alan parker in to direct it like he kind of took things in like a darker kind of more serious tone for the movie and he'd already directed a, a, a musical with bugsy malone i don't know if you ever heard of that one it was a all these kids were in and they play gangsters really weird concept kind of original no. i guess but um, okay. he also directed midnight, midnight express which was yeah pretty damn dark <laughs> in its own right mm-hmm. but um anyway so i like how this this movie it, it goes kind of between all the different performing arts like there's a great scene early in the movie where it goes between the different teachers and they're all saying how their particular area of study is is the most important it's like, yeah, dance yeah. is the most important art. No, acting is the most important art. No, singing is the most important art. And all these kids go to this Juilliard type school and they're all super talented. You got to be just to get into it. Right. But the thing is, they're all pursuit in pursuit of fame. And yeah. it's, it's really the movie is about how elusive that is, even for like these super, super talented people. Um, Boyd Gaines is this amazing actor in the class. Everyone knows he's the guy. He's going to be the greatest actor ever. And he ends up waiting in, waiting on tables. And Irene Cara is this phenomenal singer. And she ends up doing topless photos, you know, with this sleazeball photographer. So it's, so yep. it's, it's gritty. It's real. It hits home. Um, but I think most importantly, it's got great music. And there's the one scene where the kids all break into song and dance together. And that's where it kind of kicks it into the musical for me. The, the, the one guy starts playing the keyboard, and then they all start kind of joining in.
1: Oh, like in the cafeteria, yeah. Yeah,
0: and then it just kind of spreads right across, and everyone's like singing and dancing. And so, so it does qualify as a musical for that reason for me. And then also there's like the title song by Irene Cara. And then when they all sing The Body Electric, kind of it's a different kind of musical, granted. But it came along at a time when movie musicals were, you know they were transitioning a bit anyway. So
1: mm-hmm. I think it hits the mark. So it's number five for me. Yeah. And so when I was talking about this earlier, you said, let's move mm-hmm. in. So this is one of the movies though, where I feel that although there was the like the musical number you just talked about in the cafeteria, to me, that felt very organic and in the moment and a part of the script and something that the characters might actually have done in that kind of an environment. Whereas right. a more traditional musical number is, you know, uh, yeah the the backdrop gets pulled away and 20 dancers come out mm-hmm. and it's like and then when when the musical number's over the lights go back to normal the backgrounds go back the all the all the the people who are dancing around go back to doing their business and nobody's like going hey what just happened whereas the scene you just talked about mm-hmm. i felt that although it's not actually referenced again by the characters it very well could have been and it wouldn't have felt out of place true um but again yeah. which is not to say that that disqualifies it but no. it it's an interesting uh it's an interesting way to work more music into your uh into your movie mm-hmm. and and certainly make it more of a quote musical rather than a drama with musical components so nice all right uh we're moving on to my pick next yeah you're number four what do you got my number four South Park, bigger, longer, and uncut oh, oh, from 1999.
0: A and musical where you never thought one was when you first went into it. You thought it was this oh, animated film and
1: bang. <laughs> it was so good. Oh, uh, I remember so seeing this with uh, my wife, Kay, and I went with uh, our good friend, Greg Martin. We were all working at Blockbuster. We had just recently left. No, I think we were all probably still working there at the time. And when the first songs come out and swears in the songs and the the things they're making fun of and parodying the video looks like the the rap videos of the time yep i remember when they first started the the first song and they they broke into it greg started laughing so much mm-hmm. that he could barely breathe he literally i mean literally fell off his chair so did laughing I. Yep. crying he's the tears are coming like he was going he, i thought he was dying like he was he it was the funniest thing now believe me, I thought that this scene was funny and I was laughing as well, but his laughter was just so infectious that it just made it 10 times more enjoyable. So
0: I did and, I did not I did not see yeah. that in the theater with you. I but I got to tell you, same experience. When I went to see that movie in the theater, I was laughing so loud, I fell off my chair and the people around me were laughing at me as much as they were yeah. at what
1: was on the screen. Same situation. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yep. And I had just recently, like probably 6 months before this, Um, My wife had got a subscription to one of the local theater performing company things, and it's like, oh, X dollars, you get to see so many plays and musicals this year. And I thought, fine, you know, we were recently, we'd only recently, I don't even think we were married at the time. We would have just started dating. So it's like, you know, I'm a young guy. I'll go out to these performances with you. So she had brought me to see a live production of Les Miserables, which had been in Toronto at the time, which I had never seen before. And... Honestly, I didn't really care for it that much, but I, I can appreciate it. So in, in this South Park movie, there is a lot of musical references that are directly related to the Les Mis musical. Mm-hmm. And I was so glad that I had that context because I was able to enjoy the the artistry and the parody uh, and and what Parker was saying and doing in this movie by being able to pull from that. It, it was like I was saying before with, uh, with the, my Saturday Night Live sketch, it's like, if you know the source material, you just get so much more out of it. And um, so, yeah, that that really helped me for that. I'm sure there are other things that I just I still don't really know all the references where they're from. But, oh, my God, this movie is fantastic. I've probably seen it between 15 and 20 times. Oh, it's so I bought good. the uh, I bought the CD soundtrack and I can remember it was one of the soundtracks that I used to leave in the car all the time. And we would play. I remember taking a road trip with one of my fellow blockbuster buddies one year and we only had five or six CDs in the car. This was one of them. And we were just singing along. I mean, it's, it's fun to sing songs with swears that are like funny songs though. And especially because it's all around these children, this, this movie, I mean, it's a great movie with a great message that still holds up and is still relevant. And the funny songs with the swears just make it that much better. So South park, bigger, longer and uncut from 1999 directed by Trey Parker is my number four pick. That's a beauty.
0: Obviously, you were talking about the song Uncle yeah. when Greg was losing. I remember when they started singing that song. I just, I couldn't believe what I was hearing. For me, it was just such a surreal experience because I couldn't believe what I was hearing. I couldn't believe what they were saying, but I also couldn't believe how good the song was. Yes. That's what got me. I was like, this song is so good. And then he's like, you're an uncle And he's like, well, why would you call me an uncle Well, because you are your uncle. Right. And I'm like, what, what what am I listening to? This is this is crazy. And they break into this musical number, and then the way that ends at the very, very end, I was they, just gonna say they that. hit the, the button. Cherry on top. Yeah, they hit yeah. the button like like they do on Broadway. You know, they're like, Uncle suck <laughs> 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 like what <laughs> what
1: did they put
0: that in there for? <laughs> like the Uh-oh. whole thing was so funny. Oh my god. That was, that was, that's a good one. That was one of the the funniest movies I have ever seen in my entire life. That was the most I ever laughed in a movie theater until it was only ever beaten twice. When I went to see another Trey Parker and Matt Stone film, when I went to see Team America, World Police, when there was the sex scene with the puppets, I laughed even louder and I laughed just as loud during Borat during the naked wrestling scene. So those were like the three funniest things I've ever seen in my entire life. And I'm glad you mentioned Les Mis too because it's Les Misérables or as it's also known translated in English, The
1: Miserables. That's what I've always yes. thought of it as anyway. Yes. So no that's a so great one. So the other another point I just want to say was mm-hmm. um so Trey Parker is I, I, I'm going to say it. He's a musical genius. Mm-hmm. This guy is fantastic. I think he's amazing. He has amazing. he has received a lot of accolades, but I think a lot of people just dismiss him because he's that South Park guy. But he is great. And if you have the opportunity to see the Book of Mormon, oh, it's so you should go because it was fantastic. And if if it was a movie, it would have been on my list. But since it's only uh it's only been performed as a as a play and has not yet been done in uh in a musical version like a, a film. That's the only reason it's not on my list, but uh, it is. Only you think time, this movie's good?
0: Only time I've ever been in a theater to watch live theater when at the end I literally jumped to my feet for the standing ovation. Like it was just that good. Like, yeah, it was how so did these good. guys do this? And I remember when they did it, watching it, thinking, "God, these people that are on Broadway that have been doing this their whole lives must be really pissed." You know, these guys come along, these you know foul mouthed guys with from South Park, mm-hmm. and they're like showing them up on how to do musicals right. You know, you're right. Absolute genius when it comes to writing musicals and stuff. Oh, God, those guys were good. So, okay. That's right. your number four. What's
1: your number four? Yeah, what's
0: yours? <clears throat> I'm going to go back. I'm going to go way back, all the way to 1935. And it is A Night at the Opera from 1935. It's a Marx Brothers movie.
1: So, so say, is that the Marx Brothers? Yes.
0: Yeah. So, back in the early 80s, when we had the movie channel, Derek... They used to always show, you know, for the most part, they would show like the latest movies at the time. But for whatever reason, they they showed a bunch of old Marx Brothers movies on there. And this exposed me to what's been a lifelong love of the Marx Brothers. They remain, in my mind, the greatest comedy team in history. And this was their best movie, A Night at the Opera from 1935. So it's this musical all about the opera, go figure. And now this one's a little different because... The actual opera singing that goes on, mostly between Alan Jones and Kitty Carlisle, who play kind of the leads there. I think those are some of the weaker moments of the film, but the musical numbers that include the Marks is, oh my God, Harpo plays the piano and he plays the harp, of course. And watching Chico play the piano is just an absolute marvel to watch. Like and then you've got the comedy scenes in this movie, especially when they, they crowd basically the whole ship into Groucho's stateroom. And then the scene when Chico and Groucho, they're arguing over the, the opera singer's contract and they're ripping it up. Oh my God. I think this movie ranks up with the as one, one of the best comedies ever made in the history of film. And the musical numbers just kind of add to the whole experience. If, 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 if anyone has anyone listening, if, if you have never seen a Marx Brothers movie, Do yourself a favor and go watch what these guys could do because it is absolutely amazing. There's a lot of really, really good Marx Brothers movies. But A Night at the Opera was the first one that they did without Zeppo, which was basically addition by subtraction in my mind. And it was the first one that they did that was like on this grand scale by a movie studio. And it was their best film. And let me tell you, that's saying something because, I mean, all their movies are amazing. So that was mine number four so uh what's your number three
1: nice uh well i just want to say I've, mm-hmm. I've never seen a night at the opera i have seen a couple oh, of marx brothers movies but not that one but you're right from time to time they do appear on uh, the various uh my my cable movie channels like I, I think i recently watched um what's the one where the one one guy becomes the president of the fictitious country duck soup that one was on it's maybe six months ago. Bob I remember so watching good. that, and I think you had recommended it, and I saw it in the lineup, and I was like, Rufus T, okay, Firefly. I'll fly. Yep. yep, so good. And uh, so I watched that, and I really enjoyed that one. So, no, I'm going to keep my eye out. When I see that one coming on uh, again, I'm, I'm definitely going to flag it. So, so good, so good. All right. All right. Your number three. Uh, so my number three again. I'm going from older to newer, and we uh, we're jumping from uh, 1999 with South Park all the way to 1979. Mm. We're going with all that jazz. Ooh, you mentioned that one not that long ago on the podcast. I, I was going to say yes. I've only seen it once. Roy Scheider's best lap. performance. Ever. Roy Scheider was fantastic. So it's uh, the um, the story. Excuse me. it's based on real life director choreographer Bob Fosse follows a a segment of his life somewhat loosely, somewhat accurately. And um, as we said before, though, there are definitely some parts that are just performances within the movie uh, Mm -hmm. because he's, he's uh, casting and, uh, and putting together a stage play, but there are a couple of musical numbers, especially at the end where he basically dies. Spoiler. If you haven't seen it it came out in 79, come on. um, Where it's this, like this whole musical number. That's like completely uh, f- complete fantasy. There, it's it's absolutely removed from the story, but it makes perfect sense in the context of the film. And uh, yeah, it was it's got uh, all the things you would expect from a traditional musical. It's got the over the top musical numbers. It's got the costumes. it's got the the huge uh, cast, uh, uh, you know, I was gonna say cast of thousands, I guess it's not probably thousands, but a very large cast of people in some of these very extravagant and remarkably choreographed numbers. And uh, one of the things that I really liked about this, just the opening sequence where it's literally an open casting call in the 1970s um, to come out and try out for Broadway. And it's it's like so many of these things. It's just how do you how do you quantify what it is you're looking for when you've got 200 people in the course of an afternoon trying to uh, trying to audition for something? And and I've, I've always found that part of uh, of performing remarkable that how you can have so many people come out for a casting call and what is it that separates one person from the next because i've seen some of these things on tv and in movies where you see seven or eight performers do the exact same thing and you're like they all look great to me and then someone will go well this guy was clearly better And you really how what did you see that i didn't see And, and i think that's what makes a great director a great director is they can pick up on those things so um great performances great music a great movie I, I believe it won best picture if i remember correctly no uh it won no. four oscars uh, no, no I, mean I know picture. roy schreider did not win but it was nominated right kramer versus kramer yeah, nominated won best picture right yeah uh what did it get here best art direction best costume best film editing best musical original score adaptation mm-hmm. uh it was nominated but did not win for best picture best actor best, actor, best director best writing best cinematography so right. i mean it was nominated across the board it, it it definitely uh deserved the accolades it's got and in retrospect probably deserved a few more that it didn't get so uh, my number three pick, although I've only seen it once, I did just see it recently. It's the 1979 it's classic. All that jazz. Yeah,
0: that's a good one. That one deserves it. So if the first two that I've mentioned so far, maybe you could say they're, they don't quite qualify as true movie musicals. My number three absolutely does, and that's Grease from 1978. Yep. This, this movie is a lot of fun to watch. So right from the opening animation and the song Grease, which is sung by Frankie Valli, but it was written by Barry Gibb. As you GGs. say, it was written by the Gibbs, yeah. right? Yeah. God, those, those guys are some of the most prolific songwriters of all time, I tell you. But this movie was a huge hit. I mean, it's a Gen X staple. And let me tell you, as a former DJ who did weddings, Gen X women love the songs from this movie. <laughs> it's mostly summer nights. But uh, but it's not only the, the, the songs and the, and the musical numbers. I think my... Favorite in the movie is probably Beauty School Dropout. I just love that scene. But there's the cast. You've got you know Travolta and, and Olivia Newton-John. And they were just perfect for their roles. And the, and the supporting cast. You got Jeff Conaway from Taxi and Stalker Channing,
1: who's you know. And, and by the yeah, way, she seriously, was, who believes Stalker Channing was a teenager? She was true. like thirty-five. Yeah, she was older. But but she was in one of my favorite
0: '70s movies of all time. The fish that saved Pittsburgh. So the fish that. that saved Pittsburgh. Oh nice. God, I love that one. The fish that saved Pittsburgh. Whoa, 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 whoa. That one. That one wasn't a musical, but I mean, it was so good. But I mean, this one also. The Sid Caesar was in this. Remember Doty Goodman, Fanny Flagg from the Match Game was in it, and and a. I want to give a special shout out to Dinah Manoff. I always had a crush on Dinah Manoff, and then Shauna Nas in the movie. Remember they they
1: play at the dance. They had their yep. own TV show right around the same time this movie came out. There's a lot, and then lot. the guy Bowser, the guy Bowser yes. from Sha he went on to be on like every game show. Yes, he was. And the guy match game, incredibly intelligent. Pastor.
0: Yes, yeah, he did. Yeah, very and he was well. like, when you saw t- him, you knew that guy was gonna win. He was like supposed to be like the tough guy of of of, of Sha and he's like got the skinniest like arms, like and he's like, so I'm the tough guy, and he used to do this thing where he'd flex his arm, but there's no muscle there, which is so yeah. bad, but. Like I say, like this movie was really good, and, and, and it's, it's a lot of fun to watch. So it was a huge hit. It was the highest-grossing movie of 1978. I mean, it beat out Animal House. It beat out Close Encounters. It even outgrows Superman. So for all those reasons, it's my number three. So
1: on to your number two, my friend. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of Grease songs. I've seen oh, it a couple of times. I'm familiar big. with all the music. Not a big fan. The only song I actually like is that opening theme song where you've got the animation going. Uh, that one I really enjoy, but... Uh yeah, I it, this movie just never clicked for me like it did for mm. a lot of my peers. I, I don't know why. I just I like never it. cared for oh, it. I it was good. Yeah. True music. All right. Uh mm. so uh we're going uh, continuing Number two. to go back. So all that jazz was 79. We're going to yep. go to 1975. Boom, The Rocky Horror Picture yes. Show. Oh man. Man. Oh, so man. I had I was not familiar with this at all until I went to university. Mm-hmm. Uh, a friend of mine had the video and said you know, we basically, I, my room was one of the only rooms in our dorm that had a TV and that had a VCR, let alone just the TV, I had the TV and the VCR, which made me very popular. And, um, what would happen is people would show up and they're like, Hey, if I bring a movie, can we do movie night in your room? I'm like, sure. You know, I, that way I didn't have to rent anything. And, uh, people always brought snacks and beverages and, uh, it was always a good time. And someone showed up with Rocky Horror, uh, not long into the semester and, even though i'm not a big fan of musicals i thought well, i'll give it a ch- i'll give it a try and i i loved it i fell in love with it right away um i'd seen it a bunch of times i actually watched it not too long ago i think we talked about it on the podcast a little bit the last time i watched it i definitely feel the 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 third act of the movie really falls to pieces the first two mm-hmm. acts are are definitely the strongest parts of it but um the, the 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 songs are just so good uh, tim curry uh, as Dr. Frankenfurter. It's fantastic. Um loafs in this movie and uh does a great job. You've got Susan Sarandon. Um again, I'm not a big fan of her voice, but she does a she does a decent job. Um and the songs are just so memorable. Barry I mean, time warp. Barry Boswick. Yeah. That's so good. And uh I mean the the song The Time Warp is like oh, yeah. I hear that at almost every wedding I go to, and I can remember when I was in school going to clubs and the time warp inevitably managed to get played. I probably heard it once or twice a month in the clubs. It would just, it would show, especially if we were going to like an eighties theme club or, or like a retro style club. It, it was a, it was a fan favorite. And uh, I just, I love the, the over the top theatrics and the costumes of the, the fact that, you know, when it came out, you've got Tim Curry in full drag. He's got the song, the, the, the sweet transvestite, which mm-hmm. I think is arguably my favorite song from this movie. And yeah, it's just there's so much to like about it. And like I said, it, I watched it again recently a, after having not seen it in a long time, and I was like, oh, is it going to hold up? And I I thought it was just as good this time as it was the first time. I I love it. It's it's my number two on my list, Rocky Horror. And the thing was, I think if you just watch this on
0: VHS or watch it on DVD, you're missing out on the real full experience. Because yeah, you need to go to a screening. And so when I went to university, I went to a midnight screening of this. And it was unbelievable that the, the, they throw the toast and the, the squirt bottles of water and all that stuff. Oh, my God. It's just that you got to be part of that experience. People dress up like it was just such a cult, you know, film like it was just something else. Um, I mentioned before uh, I did a lot of theater when I was younger. Okay. One role that I, I one thing I always wanted to do was the Rocky Horror Picture Show. I never had the chance to do it. Always wanted to do it. Didn't want to play Frankenfurter. I couldn't imagine me parading around
1: in that. Although oh, I was, man, I, I would love to. I was my much thinner us, back then. We watched, then, this, but, we watched uh, this the last time. My wife and I watched it, and she said, that she goes, you should go as Frank and Verder for Halloween one year, because <laughs> I, I used to be a little heavier, and I lost some weight over the last year. And she's like, now that you've slimmed down a bit, you can pull that off. I was like, yeah, I think I probably could. I so. always wanted to do a
0: theatrical production of this and play Brad. I always wanted to do it, that nerdy role. I just would have loved it. I thought it was great. I love, One of my favorite songs in it is the opening song with Damn It, Janet. It's just so, yes. <laughs> like it's just this yeah. nerdy, terrible thing. You know, like, oh, I don't know, the whole thing. Love it. Love it all. Great pick. So, good one. Okay, my number two I'm going to go with is The Blues Brothers from 1980.
1: Uh, I figured this was going to mm. make your list. Yeah. Maybe, again, yeah, Maybe surprising. Is it is it traditional musical? This is to me yes. sort of a drama with music. No, I'm going
0: to argue that, anyway, that it, is. it yep. is. and you know, you might be shocked. It's not my number one musical, but I, I could not ignore the number one, which we'll get to in a bit. But you know, so my number two movie musical of all time: John Landis's 1980 SNL spin off The Blues Brothers. Uh, now, I, I again, you mentioned. You know, is it a true quote unquote musical? It is. It totally is. It is in my books anyway. So again, I guess the diner scene
1: definitely yes. makes a quote. I define
0: right? yeah. a movie musical as a movie that has yeah. musical, musical numbers number. in it. And yeah. it just can't be lots of music, right? You know, you have to have characters breaking into song and dance. And now the the musical numbers exist in this movie, obviously. You know, the Blues Brothers play at the Palace Hotel Ballroom. There's John Lee Hooker singing on the south side of Chicago the james yep. brown scene when he's like the, the reverend Cleophus james you know the triple oh rock. yeah right don't forget that yeah 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 so you could still maybe think that one is just even still a bit of a kind of just a live performance yeah but you know and the other one too the scene at ray's music exchange when the whole neighborhood breaks into dance you know yeah there's that, yeah. and then especially like you mentioned, the scene with Aretha Franklin at the Soul Food Cafe on Maxwell Street. Oh yeah, oh, That's, everyone a,
1: brought their A game to that. It's a, yeah, movie, it's so it's a
0: movie musical, you know, and then yeah. then you add to it all the over the top car crashes. There's like the driving through the shopping mall, Carrie Fisher with all those weapons, and John Candy is the cop, Frank Oz is the corrections officer, and and then, and then you've got the there's performances. You know, they're in the, the Country and Western bar and they do the Joliet prison at the end of the movie. There is a lot going on in this movie. And I, I love it all. I love all of it. I, I And I would argue that the backup band was one of the best set of musicians ever assembled, ever. Matt Guitar Murphy, Tom's Bones Malone, there's Willie Too Big Hall, Blue Lou Marini, Mr. Fabulous. <clears throat> that was a bad backing band. And John Landis... You know, was really on his A-game at the time. And, and to me, he kind of created this subgenre of what I always called epic comedies. You know, like they were like bigger than life. And like, I don't know, it was it'd be close for me between this and Animal House as to which is the better overall movie. I might lean toward Animal House a bit on that. But as far as movie musicals go, man, this one has got everything going for it. So number two
1: on my list, the Blues Brothers from 1980. Nice that's a good pick uh, so my number one uh, this is my all-time favorite music m- music movie musical okay uh, I would argue it's one of my all-time favorite movies as well um, it's definitely the musical I have seen the most with maybe the exception of South Park but they're probably pretty close together on that one and it is the 1952 classic singing in the rain nice Yancey like, loves that movie too this this movie is so good I oh, mean it's, fantastic. Uh, it's got part of part of what I love about it is just the songs are so good the songs are so memorable you, I mean obviously you have the the song from the title singing in the rain mm-hmm. you've got uh the the great scene where uh, Donald O'Connor does make him laugh where he's mm-hmm. he's singing and dancing and and he jumps over the wall and the furniture and all that, it's fantastic you've got the very memorable good morning, good morning, of where the three of them are singing. Um, even the little, uh, the little sort of funny, uh, more uh, limerick spoken word one, Moses, where he's like, Moses, 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 Moses. And uh, when I, I was, just I mean, break in, there's,
0: when I did, when I told you, when I did that summer stock, one of the plays mm-hmm. that I did had a musical number that was based on that. And, and it, ah, was, it okay. was based on Moses supposes it's up. I've got it up on YouTube. I'll have to send you the link afterward. And it's, nice. it's me in that scene. So, yeah, it was,
1: oh, yeah. yeah, no, great number. I mean, so this definitely uh it has the musical numbers it is a movie about making movies about making musical movies which again you could argue is a little bit of a cheat when it comes to well you know why is it a musical well it's the movie within the movie kind of thing but it definitely has these breakaway scenes and the um i mean it's got gene kelly uh doing his song and dance number like who doesn't love that and it's um It's got a lot of really good, memorable parts. I mean, it's a good movie even without the music. And that, I find with a lot of the more traditional musicals, they have all these songs, and then it's like, okay, let's put a story around these songs. Because really, this movie is just a showcase for the music. And I think that's part of why I don't like a lot of traditional musicals is... I'm more interested in the story and when the songs is just this part of the story leads you to the next song. And then this part of the story leads to the next song, but the story itself doesn't really seem as cohesive. Whereas this one, the story is very cohesive. It makes perfect sense. It's interesting. It's funny. It's entertaining. Uh, There's a lot of lines from this that are quoted in my house. Um, So part of the, at the beginning of the movie, it's they go from silent pictures to the talkies where you could actually have sound in the movies. And you find out that the female, The most famous female silent movie star has this really nasally annoying voice that the producers immediately realize if people hear what she really sounds like, this is going to kill probably her career and Mm -hmm. their movie. And so there's a lot of funny parts at her expense where there's uh, either where she's mispronouncing words or when they try and sync up the video with the audio. Like there's the one scene where. She's saying, yes, 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 no, no, no. But the, they're not quite in sync. So when she's saying yes, she's shaking her head no. And when she's saying no, she's nodding her head yes, which is really funny. Uh, and then there's the when she's got her her vocal coach there. And, uh, and he's like, I can't staunt him. I can't stand him. <laughs> and so, again, my wife and I just from time to time will go off. I can't stand him. it makes us laugh even when we try and repeat it um but no the songs are so good singing in the rain just the song itself is so good there's there's so many things to like about this movie there's so many songs to like about this movie this arguably if you pulled a hundred people on the street right now why are they out at this time of night but if you pulled a hundred people and then said what is your all-time favorite music movie musical i would bet you more than half of them are going to say singing in the rain and i would definitely be in that half singing in the rain absolutely my number one pick
0: nice and gene kelly was more of a dance guy like he wasn't he didn't have the greatest uh vocal talent but he had this ability when he sang to just infuse joy into his inflection and into his words like it just oh that, that's a great pick Great pick. Love it. And of course, he went on to do Xanadu. So there's that too. Okay. So, oh, of course. My number one when I was a kid, we used to go up to my grandparents' cottage for a lot of the summer. And they had a video disc player. And it was one of the ones where you slid in the plastic sleeve, you know, and the movie was inside. We've talked about this before, Derek. Yeah. And yeah. So the thing was, they had this video disc player, but they didn't have a lot of video discs. And you couldn't really get them anywhere. But they did have The Wizard of Oz. And let me tell you, as a kid, I watched this movie a lot at the cottage. It is not only the best movie musical ever made, it is one of the best all-around films ever made. I would argue that this is an absolutely perfect film. The way it opens up in black and white and then shifts the color when Dorothy goes to Oz. The characters are perfectly cast. I mean, I know Buddy Ebsen was originally cast to play the Tin Man. But he had to drop out because yep. he was allergic to the the metallic silver paint they used on his skin. So Jack Haley took over and did just fine, you know, and you got Ray Bolger, who, who, of course, went on to be on the love boat. You know, <laughs> he well, couldn't do course. much else because I mean, none of them could because they were so perfect in this movie. You couldn't imagine them playing any other characters. Right. And I like how it's it's like this family movie. But for little kids, it's pretty scary, actually. I remember my cousin when we were kids at the cottage, he was absolutely terrified of the flying uh, monkeys the witch had. Yeah. But the songs were so good. They'd get somewhere over the rainbow, probably maybe the single most famous movie song in the history of filmmaking. And then the thing is, all of the characters sing their motivations. You know, you've got, you know, if I only had a brain or if I were king of the forest, like (laughs) such a good movie. And and, and and all the roles that Frank Morgan played in that movie what was he like five different parts he was like professor Marvel and the gatekeeper and a guard he was the wizard himself so and then the moral of the story there's no place like home even if it's mm-hmm. just black and white Kansas you know like the message is very universal it's very powerful and it just kind of ties together this perfect movie it's timeless my grandparents loved it my parents loved it I loved it. My kids love it. It's perfect. You know, it's a perfect movie and is the best musical ever made
1: in my mind. So that's my number one. Yeah, it's it's hard to find somebody who, number one, has not seen The Wizard of Oz and number two, does <laughs> yeah. not like The Wizard exactly. of Oz. And I mean, there are various, there's, you know, it's it's a sliding scale of how much you like it versus love it. I'd probably somewhere right in the middle. I, I definitely like it. I certainly wouldn't put myself 10 out of 10 love it. There's, like you said, so much, so much too like about this movie but like you were mentioning when i first saw it when i was younger there were parts of this that terrified me oh, and sure. so it was oh, not sure. it was not something i was eager to re-watch but i do recall watching it for the first couple of times uh on tv when it came on tv with my parents because my my mother really enjoyed this one as well mm-hmm. and i remember she would sit with us and watch it and um so that was it was uh, fun sort of to to be introduced to this movie uh, from my parents, which so few of the movies that I enjoy now, uh, you know, were like that. Even as a young kid, although my parents would bring me to the movies, it was rare that they were able to say, "Well, this is something that I saw when I was younger, and that you may enjoy now that you are of a certain age." So, um, no, this is a good pick. I, I, that's mm-hmm. it's a your list is a solid list, man. This is a good yeah. one. Yeah, well, I thought we did pretty good.
0: All right, so on that note, what do you say that we have some
1: fun, fun with caveman?
0: Man. So sticking with our, our subject of movie musicals, Derek, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to list the titles of songs, and you have to guess the movie musicals that the songs appear in. Holy cow.
1: That's easy, right? Uh, okay. Well, I mean, hopefully they're the same name as the movie they appear in. Nah, man, this is easy, but here's the twist. Okay, are you Uh-oh. ready? You have to do this
0: while sitting in the winner's circle of the $100,000 pyramid. All right, so you got to strap yourself in. I'm going to be giving you clues. There's six movies to get up the pyramid. The only clues I can give you are the songs that are in the movie. So I list the songs. And then... You have, just have to name the movie musical. Are you ready? Oh, boy. Ugh, I'm as ready as I'm ever going to be. Oh, you're going to do great, okay? Go. Circle of Life. Hakuna Matata. Um, uh, Lion King. Yes. <laughs> the Bird. Jungle Love. I would die for you.
1: Oh, um, um, that Prince one. Uh, Purple Rain. Yes.
0: Your song, I'm still standing. Tiny dancer. Israel
1: Was it? Um, uh, Was it uh, of Rocket Rock. Man? Yes.
0: Okay. My favorite things. Climb every mountain. Do Re Mi. Maria.
1: Oh, that's that. Uh, Idle Vice. That's a. The Sound no, of Music. I've never seen this one. The Sound of Music. Isn't that the name? It's Sound of Music. Yay! Very good.
0: chim chim cherry. A spoonful of sugar. Oh, um, uh, Mary Su- Poppins. Yes! Very good. Somewhere that's green. Suddenly Seymour. Supper time. Feed me. Skid Row. Dentist. Mean green oh, mother uh, from outer space.
1: Uh, feed me, Seaball. Feed me. Little Shop of horse. Yes. When you said dentist, I was like, oh, that's what that's what clicked for me. I mean, I've never seen The Sound of Music, so that's, I didn't know it until you literally said the song called The Sound of Music. Well, you know, I mean, but there's a song in it called The Sound of Music, so it was well, Which away. I didn't know until just now. Well, now you know. was, or I never The hills I never really are alive
0: with the sound of music. You never heard that? Uh, sure. Okay. Well, vaguely
1: vaguely familiar.
0: All right. Well, anyway. you did really well. So you get to win a very, very special prize this week. <gasps> Do you know what the special What's prize that? is? Are you ready Uncle for What? No. You are going to be taking home a DVD of Xanadu. Congratulations. <laughs>
1: Ooh,
0: well done. All right. So we've uh, we spent the, the last couple of shows doing, you know, movies from 1980, you know, and concentrating on that. And then we did a top five list, obviously, this week. So, we, we you know, we are the pop culture podcast for the generation. So... It's time for us now to take a look at a a bit of a newer film. You know, it had to take place after 1989, you know, so it's like a millennial film. So it's that is completely 100 percent out of my element. So this is where you get to pick the movie, Derek. So so what do you have in mind for us? What 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 newer film do you want me to watch and come back and review with you next week?
1: Well, it almost seems like um, like the opposite of what we just did. So we did musicals, which are always like mm-hmm. singing and dancing and upbeat and joy and happy. We're going to go the opposite way. We're going to go to long, slow, boring, quiet. Okay. We're going to do the 2007 film that many people argue is their all-time favorite movie. And I think a lot of people would say it's probably one of their all-time favorite movies the last 20 years. And that is the... Paul Thomas Anderson, classic. There will be blood, starring mm. Daniel Day Lewis. Very interesting. Now it is long; it's uh, two hours and thirty-eight minutes. And I want to say, like for the first fifteen minutes, there's like no dialogue whatsoever. It's just the cinematic. You know, the, it's it's all about oil and digging for oil uh, and prospecting for oil, and it's it's a visual spectacle. It's a it, arguably it's a masterpiece of cinema, and we can talk about that next week. I've only seen it a couple of times, but I did see it within the last year, and I was pleasantly surprised about how much I, I really thought it held up, and I really enjoyed it. Uh, I don't know if you've seen it or not. Why don't you save that till next week? You get a chance to rewatch oh, it. We'll come back. We'll uh, we'll talk about it. So you
0: you 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 know the way things work around here. I don't watch anything after 1989, and now you expect me to go and watch a two and a half hour movie
1: that is slow and boring. Yeah.
0: This ought to be fun. Okay. Well, I think we, I, I, I think I'm we all know shocked. where this is heading.
1: <laughs> yeah. So. I, I was actually kind of shocked that we're watching this before boogie nights. If we're going to do a Paul Thomas Anderson movie, mm. but uh, no, this uh, I think, I think this is a good one. Uh, it's a little change of pace from last week. I think a yep. lot of our listeners are probably uh, familiar with this film. I think many of them, if they if you know, have seen at least parts of it, if not all of it. Right. So I'm kind of curious to get your take on it. We'll come all back right. next week. We'll, we'll dive in and uh, we'll go from there. I don't know how much
0: I'm looking forward to doing it, but I will absolutely watch the movie and I'll come back and I'll review it with you. And I'll tell you what, until then, it's this is Chris McBrien on behalf of myself and Derek Myers saying, thanks for listening to Pop Goes Your World, the pop culture podcast for the generations. Thanks for listening to Pop Goes Your World. You can contact Chris and Derek at popgoesyourworld.com. Please take a minute and review the podcast on iTunes or wherever you download and listen to the show.